Are you trying to connect with your path in life? Do you have a hard time trusting your gut? Do you wonder why you keep attracting the same type of relationship energy? Do you wonder what intuition is and how it works? Get ready for the Elise Intuition Radio Show, hosted by Dr. Elise Holland. This globally syndicated radio show is empowering you to transform your life by connecting with your higher self through intuition, meditation, and mindfulness in all areas of your life. Coming to you live on Blog Talk Radio, this hit show is tailor-made to help you realize your full potential through body, mind, and spirit. Dr. Elise brings her knowledge, experience, and sense of humor to each show while introducing you to guests from all over the world who are experts in the fields of spirituality, energy healing, holistic wellness, alternative medicine, and nutrition. Call in with your questions or share some of your own experiences in connection with your intuition and emotional healing. The Elise Intuition Radio Show starts now. Here's your host, Dr. Elise. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Elise Intuition Radio Show. My name is Dr. Elisa Holland, but people around the world calls me Dr. Elise. I'm a mom, real estate agent, energy healer, international intuitive life coach, researcher, and radio personality. Through my 501c3 not-for-profit Elise Spiritual Healing and Wellness Center, which can be found at www.elisehealingcenter.com, I help people heal their emotional bodies and discover their life purpose through intuitive life coaching and flower essence. We did a clinical research study at our healing center and presented those results in Paris, France last year. You can also gain access to those results on our website. Just look for the research tab on our main website. Our Spiritual Healing and Wellness Center is dedicated to helping individuals realize their full potential through their body, mind, and spirit by providing spiritual education, guidance, healing, and transformation through various digital platforms. Each third Wednesday of every month, we have our regular show with special guests from around the world, or I present intuitive guidance and messages from the spirit and angels at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio. If you have been following my life's work, then you know that my spiritual origin is of an angel. I communicate with all of the archangels and the divine spirit. As the spirit guide me, you may also notice some special or bonus shows on our upcoming schedule. So stay tuned. I have some spiritual messages that I will share with you at the end of our show today. Whether you're a regular listener, long-time listener, or you just found out about the Elise Intuition Radio Show, we are so glad that you are here with us. We are very excited to take some of your calls, and you can call into the show on 929-477-3973. Stay with us for the next hour as we have a special guest on the call. Today... We have Mr. Tony Overbay, who will be sharing with us information about porn addiction. The pornography industry is on the rise, leaving more addicts in the world and ending tons of healthy relationships. But before we get into the show, let me share a little bit about Mr. Tony Overbay with you. Tony Overbay is a licensed marriage and family therapist in California. 
a certified mindful habit coach, and a popular motivational speaker. Tony spent a decade in the computer industry before following his passion to go back to school and become a marriage and family therapist. Tony has been the founder or co-founder of companies in the computer hardware, industrial fastener, and personal grooming industries, and currently heads up the Mental Health Board of LeadingSaints.org a nonprofit designed to help create leaders in religious congregations. Tony hosts an award-winning podcast, The Virtual Couch, where he tackles a variety of mental health issues, and he has recently finished his first book on relationship trauma called He's a Porn Addict, Now What? An expert and a former addict answer your questions. Now available on Amazon and He has a faith-based online pornography addiction recovery program called The Path Back. Tony has a very successful private practice in Northern California where he works with couples and individuals in a very strength-based approach that focuses on embracing vulnerability, learning the importance of authenticity, and building tools that lead to resiliency at the individual and marital level. Tony also has a thriving business coaching practice where he has the opportunity to work with CEOs, politicians, professional athletes, and anyone who is interested in the crossroads of where coaching and therapy converge. In his spare time, Tony is an avid runner, having completed over 150 marathons and ultra marathons, including a dozen races of 100 miles or more. Tony organized a community event while his kids were in middle school where he ran 24 hours around a school track to raise money for schools. During the six-year event, he covered distances from 112 to 125 miles in the 24-hour period. Tony has been married to his high school sweetheart, Wendy, for 29 years, and they have four children. You can learn more about Tony at TonyOverbay.com. So on that note, let's welcome Mr. Tony Overbay to the Elise Intuition Radio Show. Hello, Mr. Overbay. How are you? Hi. Good. Dr. Elise, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you quite well. Perfect. I'm uh, I'm excited to to be on your show. Thank you. How's the weather? Uh, you know, I'm in California. It is uh, it is beautiful. I can't lie. It's uh, it's really nice today. That's great. <laughs> this week I am here out of my Phoenix studio, and it is actually raining. <laughs> oh, is it really? I, I've heard of this rain that yeah. you speak of. We haven't really had any of that this year. You know, hopefully sometime soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So each time we have guests on the show, we always like to ask, at what point did your intuition kick in during your life's journey, and what did it tell you? Yeah, and I love the question, you know, and I know, uh, I, I know you've mentioned uh, in some of the shows that, you know, for some it kicks in early and for others later, and, and I really do believe that I truly felt like um, it was kind of almost like a natural curiosity and, and maybe more empathy kicked in a bit later in life, and, and it was actually in my 20s. And it was before I went back to school to become a therapist 
Um, I was in a career that was fine. I was in the, the computer software industry, but I really wasn't feeling that sense of purpose. And so I found myself just continually being, you know, that guy that other people opened up to. And I really felt like I enjoyed that. And I, and I felt like I appreciated that more than being in that software industry. And, and I kind of felt like I had this natural curiosity just to, to understand where people were coming from. And, you know, I wasn't one of those who just wanted to jump in and fix things for people. And, and I felt like I really just wanted to hear what others' experiences were all about. And so I kind of think, you know, when, when, uh, when I was thinking about answering this question, I feel like that's kind of where it, the genesis of it. And now that, you know, intuition is a big part of my, you know, my daily practice. Wow. So back then, it sounds as if you feel things. What did your intuition kind of tell you? Like, how did that feel? Did you get a churn in your stomach or how, how did it talk to you? No, that's a great question. I haven't thought about it that way before. I think it would, and I actually just had it happen right here. You know, I feel like uh, it, it would kind of manifest itself as just excitement. You know, when I feel like I've, uh, when I would finally, you know, I feel like when I would really connect with somebody, um, I would just feel this this rush or this excitement. And I think that's what I was drawn to, and which is part of what led me eventually to uh, to look at changing careers and, and heading down this path of, uh, you know, of a therapist was, yeah, I, I like that. You know, I like that question. It just manifested itself as excitement. And then when I felt like I was, then I felt engaged, you know, then I felt like I had a sense of purpose. And before that I felt like, okay, I guess I'm just getting up and going to work and trying to sell widgets and, you know, and, uh, and, you know, what's, what's next. And so, you know, I really felt mm-hmm. the, I felt it just a, an excitement in my bones, you know, through my veins. Okay. So today you're on the show to share with us about, porn addiction and statistics have it that today porn addictions are problematic pornography use it affects approximately maybe five to eight percent of the adult population and you know there are people who are addicted to cyber porn you know they spend at least Mm -hmm. maybe 11 to 12 hours most of their day viewing this type of stuff online so is pornography addiction real, and can someone overcome pornography or sex addiction? And again, what a good—I mean, that's a great question. I've been working in this field for almost 15 years now, and I can't even tell you how far along that you know even the data has come. And the you know what what you're quoting, I always say is I feel like it's one of the one of those things that's probably very very um, underreported as well because there's so much shame or guilt that is around. Um, pornography addiction in general. And so, you know, I, I feel like it's uh, it's even a lot higher than that if people were really being open about it. But I also feel like, you know, there's a, um, we kind of even have to talk about what 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 is addiction. And so, um, you know, there's a debate in my field on whether or not you can even, or you should even use the term addiction when talking about pornography. You know, there's actually not an official diagnosis of pornography addiction, but there are things like impulse control disorders which, which kind of address whether it's pornography or gambling or shopping or that sort of thing. But, but I always say the bottom line for me is that I've, I've now worked with well over 1,000 individuals who have come to me that, uh, that want to stop using pornography as you know, maybe an unhealthy coping mechanism um, for not feeling like they're living their best life or not feeling connected to their partners. And, so, and, I, and maybe you can see where I'm going there now. It's like um, I have people that do come that are hardcore. I mean, they really are addicts, and they're, they're you know, acting out with pornography um, on a daily basis, like you say, for hours a day. But I also have people who 
you know, it might not be every day. It might not even be every week, but it's something that they, they don't want to have in their lives because it, it doesn't make them feel connected to a partner. Or, and so they, you know, every time is the last time. And then it's like, okay, I'm done with that. Never again. And then they kind of, you know, fall prey to the same triggers or, or things that kind of lead them down that path again. And so, um, mm-hmm. so, but then, and, I, and to answer that, you know, so can somebody overcome pornography or sex addiction? I mean, I'll start by just saying absolutely. And, uh, and, and I always like to kind of, again, lay the table or the groundwork by saying the fact that we have physical desires, you know, those are natural, they're inborn, they're God-given, if you will, but, but it's what you do with them that's the key. And so I, I, you know, any chance I get, I try to explain that the average age of first exposure to pornography nowadays is somewhere in the age range of 8 to 11 years old. And it's, and it's no longer the if our kids see it, but it's when, you know, and, and how do we talk to them about it? How do we do so in a way that, you know, they, they will know they can come to us and they won't feel the shame that kind of fuels the addiction. So kids kind of become mm-hmm. aware of sexuality at a very young age. And, and another point that I like to bring up is if somebody is exposed to pornography then young, you know, now all of a sudden they're sitting in their third or fourth or fifth grade class and their teacher is no longer just their teacher. It's the, you know, she's now a, a person with, you know, curves and, and bumps and, you know, all those things. And it's like, <laughs> so that just kind of lets you, you know, you understand now that all of a sudden, you know, you got one kid who's never been exposed sitting there and, and Mrs. Johnson's annoying and, you know, got the kid who's been exposed and saying, you know, I don't know, he's just looking at her in a completely different way, you know? And so, so mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. from there, then turning to pornography becomes something that, that people do um, and, and, you know, they do for years. And it becomes kind of the go-to coping mechanism because of the whole rush of the feel-good chemicals that you carry around in your own brain. And the problem is that it's also creating these unrealistic expectations around intimacy or sexuality or objectification. And then the brain kind of locks into those messages. So, you know, moving forward, I always talk about um, people having these voids in one's life, whether it's not feeling connected in their marriage or as a parent or in their careers or, or not feeling connected with their health or their spirituality. And wherever there is this disconnect in any of those areas, that's when the brain immediately says, you know, hey, I got this. We got a quick fix. And I feel like that's where the problem is. So that's a very long answer to say, you know, I like to get people, I feel like when I can get them to dial in all those areas of their lives, you know, um, in, the, in the meantime, they discover that there isn't a need or perhaps a desire to continually turn to this unhealthy coping mechanism because now they're just busy, you know, living a fulfilling life. And so it's not a quick fix, but I've seen, again, so many people um, eventually kind of stop using these stories. They tell themselves that they need this to, to you know, be intimate or that they need this to uh, relieve the stress or, or in, in they're learning how to just do more with their relationships and with life in general. Man, Dr. Lisa, did that answer mm-hmm. it or did I go on a, was that a, was that a tangent, you know? <laughs> no, you didn't go on a tangent. You didn't open up a new <laughs> question for me to ask. <laughs> Good. All right. I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. As I was listening to you, I was thinking, oh my gosh, is this where some people, whether it's male or female, turn to uh, this type of activity due to some type of sexual dysfunction as well? Sure. Is, is that yeah. a reason? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that too. And I think that's the part where, you know, the, if, and, and I can just speak my truth, but I mean, the, the reality is I find that um, that is, you know, in the old days uh, being sexualized did have a lot of, you know, it typically was only associated with when there had been, you know, things like, uh, you know, unfortunately things like uh, child molestation or, or, you know, sexual abuse as a, as a someone young. And so 
you really do look at that as now, you know, you're kind of starting the wiring of the brain um, pretty young. And so, you know, they, they now are aware of things or they're trying to process things well before they really have the, the brain to really do so in a healthy way. And so then that does typically mm-hmm. lead to people that, you know, can feel like they only feel, um, you know, connected with somebody if it's, if it's sexually or, or somebody that feels like they only get attention from somebody if it's through their sexuality. And so, you know, those are, are typically signs of someone that's maybe had some of those early exposure in, in any kind of, uh, you know, being sexualized. So, you know, so, okay. so that, and then that kind of, yeah, brings up its whole other set of, uh, challenges to work with too because you know you got to do some of that um undoing some of those things that maybe did happen when somebody was younger that uh that you know they feel like well this is just who i am and it's like well no you know this is maybe something that had happened to you that that it it shouldn't have or it wasn't uh your fault and so you know that there's some pretty powerful work that can happen there that that helps people kind of mm-hmm. let go of those stories you know okay so you we talked about the brain, you know, how the brain yeah. remember things. Is it a little bit of porn in a relationship healthy or normal? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get asked this one all the time. And again, I'm just, I, I just have to go with my, my truth, my experience, uh, but I, I just, I don't believe it is, you know, and I just believe again that turning to pornography um, derives from a, a lack of connection. So, it, you know, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm a marriage therapist, so it's like, it's, I deal with addiction but then I also deal with marriage and connection. And so it's far more satisfying and unifying to really want to connect with your partner, you know, with the person who's there for you, who you've been through battles with thick and thin, you know, and so, you know, I believe needing to use porn or, you know, turn to porn to quote, you know, liven things up or get things going really is a, that's an indication that there's work that needs to be done on connection. And I've got one of the podcasts mm-hmm. that I've done that I get a, a lot of feedback from is, um, one that I talked about this evidence around these levels of intimacy. And so, uh, so we typically do meet and connect with our partners because we find them attractive and we're human. So we kind of, we meet on this physical level, but underneath that physical level, there's some really important uh, levels that, that need to be established. And at the base of these levels of intimacy is psychological intimacy, which is honesty and loyalty and trust and commitment. But above that is this level that I call verbal intimacy and that just means, man, we need to be able to just talk with our partner, you know, talk about our days, talk about our hopes and our desires and our dreams and just feel like we can, we can do that and connect. And then when we feel like we have this verbal intimacy, a, a notch above that, I, I, there's this emotional intimacy. And that's, you know, if we feel verbal, verbally connected, then next up is emotional connection. And that's where we feel like we can really just open our hearts up to our partner. And then above that is this cognitive and intellectual intimacy where if we're connected verbally and emotionally, then it doesn't really matter if one of us has a PhD and one of us has a GED, you know, we're connected verbally, emotionally, you know, cognitive, intellectually. Above that's the spiritual connection where, you know, if we're connected on those lower rungs of this, almost like this intimacy ladder, then we can, we can share our hopes and dreams of, of spirituality as well. And then at the top of that is the physical intimacy. So, so if we're connected on all of those levels, then it's the, it's the natural byproduct to want this physical connection with our partners. So I feel like, you know, bless our hearts, we kind of do it in reverse. We, we find each other physically attractive, and then if we try to talk to each other, and if you could see me, I've got my hands down now on this lower rung of the ladder, and if we don't feel like we have this verbal connection, we typically jump right back up to the, well, you know, at least they're, at least they're cute, you know, and we can, we can have physical intimacy, and then we might jump down and try to share emotional um, things, uh, things of the heart. 
And if our partner doesn't respond well there, then we jump right back up to physical. And so, you know, and I hope that makes sense, but it's like if we can get those lower levels of, of intimacy dialed in, then it, the natural byproduct is wanting to be in a, you know, physically intimate with our partner. And so it, notice none of that required porn, right? I mean, you know, that's like this deeper connection. And that's, that's really what I strive for, you know? Well, I tell you this, just listening to you, you done striked up a lot of more questions for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm thinking, I love it. Good. I'm like, okay, if it's just the physical intimacy, is that where the idea of should I stay in my marriage come or should I cheat? Like, how do you handle oh, questions that's like that? that's a good question. That's such a good question. And maybe now, you, you know, I feel like when people really get me going, they can see that, man, I'm going to keep going back to you know, the looking outside of the marriage or the the relationship. Yeah. The, the, should I cheat or that there typically is, you know, there's an imbalance there. There's either an imbalance. And a lot of times I find that, you know, a partner is saying, man, if I just had more sex, I'd be happier. So then they're saying, so I'm going to look outside of my relationship for sex. And, and again, let's line that up to those levels of intimacy and we're going after the wrong thing. You know, we're, we're, if we can, if we can dial in those uh, lower levels of, of intimacy, then we're going to hit that um, satisfaction with our physical connection. But, but, and the hard part is there typically is, they, they say in, in kind of our world, the pursuer and a withdrawer, where at times there is somebody that is going to be pursuing more, you know, wanting more physical intimacy. There's going to be somebody that, that might feel like it's a little bit too much. And so that does create a bit of an imbalance. And so if they're not connected on these other levels, verbal, emotional, spiritual, then they feel like, you know, their only connection is through physical. So if they're not getting their physical needs met, then they feel like, okay, I'm, I'm going to start looking outside of the relationship, you know. And, and that's where I feel like if we go back to porn, why I feel like porn can be such a, a dangerous thing because, you know, there's that you know, kind of cliche that, uh, you know, porn's always there. Porn's always, you know, the, the people on porn always act like it's amazing and they, they're always there for you. And, they, you know, you can dial it up at any minute. And so, you know, when people then are turning to porn instead of turning to fixing a relationship or figuring out how to how to be a better husband or father or, you know, uh, you know, if they're turning, if they're not doing their work, then that siren song of pornography is just too easy. It's just right there. And so that is what I think leads to then people just continually turning to that and then uh, oftentimes then looking outside of their marriage as well. Wow. This has been life-changing. Just listening to you talk about the levels of intimacy is fabulous because it just seems as if that's what a lot of people don't understand. Intimacy yeah. means a, a different thing to different people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you are right. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So in today's society, there's a lot of buzzwords about a narcissist. How do you yeah. know if you're married to a narcissist? And is there any hope in a relationship with narcissists? Okay, so you, you, uh, Doctor Lee, you're asking me all the things that, like, I, I, you know, I should just stand up on my soapbox the whole time we're talking here. So be ready. Are you ready? Here we go. <laughs> so this is I'm the one ready. where I'm you ready. know the. <laughs> so the you know I, as I started doing my podcast, I've got a podcast called The Virtual Couch, and I was just putting out a lot of different episodes on just things in the mental health industry. And the first time that I did one where I talked about narcissism, man, did I see the downloads kind of go crazy, and I thought, wow, that is that's pretty interesting. So a few episodes later, I do another one on the concept of gaslighting, which is a, something that a lot of uh, narcissistic people do where they, you know, they kind of take someone's words and they turn them around on them. And the person who initially was, you know, trying to 
um, have a conversation with the narcissist now actually ends up feeling like they did something wrong or what's wrong with them. And I do that one, and, man, numbers go through the roof again. So I, you're right. I mean, there's so much around narcissism. And what that actually led to was a, a lot of people that are starting to then seek me out for therapy that are saying, wait a minute, I wonder if I'm in a relationship with a narcissist. And so, so I really have done a whole lot of work with this field of narcissism and personality disorders in general. So, you know, there's, and I think here's the challenge is that when we think of narcissism and, uh, and actually um, I have something that a, a, someone had wrote, had written to me once where they said, I knew the word narcissistic more as like an adjective to describe a character who's really selfish or stuck on themselves, you know, it's, and, and so I feel like that's most people kind of just view narcissism as this grandiose narcissist who just thinks they're this amazing person and, and everyone would worship the ground they walk on. And there are those, I mean, that's kind of the clinical um, diagnosis or diagnostic criteria of narcissism. But this person went a little bit deeper and they kind of said, you know, at the same time, they were saying if, if I had to, you had asked me to describe the characteristics of their spouse, they said that are difficult, they would have said, all right, their spouse is selfish or their spouse always thinks that they're right. They really don't care much about other people's feelings. They can be harsh. You know, they blame others before knowing the whole story. They kind of are a little bit of a bully, a bit impatient, quick to anger. You know, they don't help out a lot with things that, that, that don't um, benefit them. Uh, you know, they, they can give a joke, but they can't take one. You know, all of those things, that's more of what you see with, well, I don't know if we'll call it the modern-day narcissist or what, what those narcissistic traits or tendencies. And so what I started okay. seeing in my couples therapy was I'm doing, I'm doing couples therapy, and I've got situations where you introduce a nice, you know, couples uh, modality of a way to communicate. And people finally feel heard for the first times in their lives, and they learn empathy, and learn how to how to really hear each other and, and they just, you know, live happily ever after. And then I would get these situations where they're, they're trying to, you know, you've got, let's just say it's the wife that's trying to express empathy. And then the husband is just, you know, saying, I can't even believe you're saying that, you know, you know what that feels like for me, you know, and, and uh, you know, I don't even know, I don't even know why I even stay in this relationship or, you know, when you just start seeing these things that just seem so emotionally abusive and emotionally damaging. And so, you know, that's where I started looking more into what, what was that all about? And it really did kind of lead me down this, this learning more about these personality disorders like narcissism. So I think it really starts to look more like just a lack of empathy and, and really a very selfish nature. And, uh, and, you know, and I find that a lot of times when somebody has to say, well, no, he's good sometimes, you know, I can remember a couple of times that he's been good. You know, and I get people in therapy that that's enough for them to say, so, you know, they don't want to leave or they want to see if they can make things work. Um, sometimes it's hard for me to, to bring some awareness to that, but that's not the way a marriage is supposed to be. A marriage is supposed to be where you mm -hmm. feel like you're pretty connected all the time. And there's those, those bumps in the road that you have to get through, not the, you know, I live in a bumpy, you know, world and there's a couple of smooth patches. So, um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So that's, that's, I mean, I think that those are some of the, the traits. So I think that people that are in relationships with people that have narcissistic tendencies oftentimes aren't even aware that there is a different relationship out there. You know, they just feel like, well, I guess this is kind of the way things work. So, so, I mean, I often do say if you're, you know, is your marriage making you feel like you're a better person? You know, does your partner edify you or do you, you edify your partner? And, you know, do you feel like, and I've got, I've got, clients that will tell me that they just, they, they, they find themselves getting very angry and they were never an angry person, you know, and is that because they, they don't feel like they can talk to their partner without their partner blowing up on them or they can't go to their partner and express, you know, um, express kind of emotional bids or, or, you know, Hey, I need help or be vulnerable 
without feeling like their partner is going to use that against them. So I feel like those are really the things to watch out for with regard to narcissism. Wow. So with narcissism, how does that relate to pornography? Are they susceptible to that type of addiction too, or are they able to overcome it as well? No, that's a great question. So, um, you know, I do see a lot of, uh, I do say a lot of kind of, um, not similarities, what's the word, uh, co, uh, co-mingling disorders, or I mean, I, I mean I'm using the wrong uh, words there, but I see a lot of, uh, of tie in there. And, I, and again, it kind of goes back to, um, you know, I, I've had a lot of situations where a, a wife has maybe come in suffering from, you know, we, we call it betrayal trauma, where they found out that their husband has been, you know, addicted or to porn or um, for years and, and not telling her. And then even if she had ever brought it up before, kind of making her feel like she's the one that's crazy. And so then when we do kind of get in a couple session and, and maybe she, she admits that, Hey, this is hard for me. Like, I feel like you're choosing someone else over me, or I feel like I'm not enough, or I feel like, you know, and then the narcissism will kind of come out as saying, well, it, you know, this is your fault. You know, I wouldn't have done it if you, if you would have had more sex with me, or I wouldn't have done this if you would have, you know, whatever. And that's like where I feel like you do see some of those similarities or where they kind of come together where it's the person who's not willing to take accountability for their own actions. And so I feel like, you know, the hard I part see. is when you do, yeah, when you do have somebody that's struggling with um, a pornography addiction and they also have maybe these narcissistic tendencies, um, it's very difficult because, again, they're not going to say, man, you're right. You know, this isn't something I want. I, I want us to have a better relationship because that requires them to really take ownership or have empathy for their partner. <laughs> Wow, that's interesting. I, I mean, I could just hear, yeah. I could just hear something. You know, I pay the cost to be the boss. I do what I want. Wow, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Dr. Lee Stewart, and I'll, I'll make this part quick. I know you you had said, you know, is there is there hope in a relationship? And and this is something that uh, I don't. I'm not going to be dramatic and say I'm I, I'm I think I'm controversial on or whatever. But you know, if you do, if somebody does kind of find out or, or come to the realization that they may be in a relationship with a narcissist. If you if you just Google that, I mean, basically you're going to find a lot of uh, info that says run, you know, get out now, kind of a thing. And and I and I was working with people that were struggling with that. But the reality is, when people have um, kids and they have uh, mortgages and they have you know financial investment and they have you know a lot of people feel like, well, I, I can't just go. Or even deeper is a lot of people feel like, okay, well that's what that person's experience was that I'm reading about online, but. Mine's different, you know. I, maybe maybe he can change, or maybe if we get the right therapist, or maybe if he reads the right book, or that sort of thing. And so I made a decision a while ago that you know I did want to be a therapist who, even if I want to say run, you know, if I'm if I view that in therapy the guy's you know this person is really emotionally abusive or manipulative to their spouse, I understand that their spouse is the one who really needs to come to that realization, and that's a really difficult thing to do. So you know I've tried to to kind of um, create a, a kind of this environment where um, when I'm working with somebody who's in a relationship with a narcissist, I do, I, I talk about five things. I really want them to, to kind of raise their own emotional baseline is what I call it. And that's basically self-care. And I want them to really learn how to set boundaries and be okay with it. And uh, to learn to disengage when they feel like the conversations are just emotionally abusive and to really learn what the concept of gaslighting is. You know, if they're bringing something, to their spouse and their spouse is continually turning it around on them to recognize that, wait, I'm not crazy. You know, I, I, I was just trying to have a conversation and now he's making me feel like I'm, you know, 
I'm an idiot, and, and that's not good either. And then maybe the, even the hardest thing, the fifth thing that I, I like to kind of just put out there is, is to, to, you know, not not necessarily feel like you're going to find that that thing or say the thing or do the thing, which is going to cause him to have the aha moment where now all of a sudden he's going to say, oh, okay, I never realized that. I'll change all of my behavior, you know, because I feel like that's what people are, are doing. They're like, if I could just prove to him that he did this to me, or if I could just, you know, get him to understand that this is what he's doing to the kids, and then they go, you know, they go to their, their narcissistic partner and put that message out there, and then the response is never, oh, man, you're right. It's, uh, I can't believe you just said that, you know, or you're the one that makes me do that, or, well, have you ever looked at the way you talk to the kids? And it's like, you know, it's like it's, it's just so it's, – it's, it's maddening. So, so, you know, is there hope? I mean, I have had situations where when, when I help people kind of dial in those, those five areas that I just talked about – where you know they can kind of have, feel like there's a little more control in the relationship. Will they have the empathetic, you know, we're having pillow talk uh, every night kind of relationship? Probably not. But I mean, but but you know, sometimes people, um, it's it's too scary to leave or that sort of thing. So and then that's where I say that one can sound <laughs> a little bit, uh, you know, as hard, right? I mean, because we all want to have the fairy tale and the pillow talk and the live happily ever after. Yeah, they're they're sleeping on their pillows, but they're definitely not talking. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> exactly. That's right. So, is there anything else you would like to share with us about what you're doing to help others like or do you have any online programs, books you have, yeah. upcoming speaking engagements? What's going on? No, you, you know, you're very kind. I appreciate it. This is part of my I'm a horrible marketer of myself, so I'm glad you asked. Um so you know, I do actually have a it's a it's a faith based um, online pornography recovery program. It's called the Path Back, and you can find that at uh, pathbackrecovery.com. And uh, and that's you know that's a online kind of do it at your own pace. Um, it's forty videos, the workbooks, the modules, and that's helped a lot of people because it's a very strength based, you know, faith based. You can do this and and break free from pornography kind of program. And then I've also got, and you're the first person I get to say this out loud with, but I've got a, um, my first book is coming out in about two or three weeks. It's on Amazon right now, but it's called, um, he's a porn addict. Now what? A former, no, an expert and a former addict answer your question. And uh, I was asked to um, co-author a book by uh, a gentleman named Josh Shea. And he, uh, he was a a politician, ran a film festival, um, had a magazine, and then had, went through a pretty big scandal uh, related to pornography several years ago, and then ended up really going, I think, went to jail, went to rehab, came out, wrote a book about it, and then he did a, a tour of, you know, a lot of talk shows, radio shows, podcasts, and uh, out of the 70 or 80 he did, he said he felt uh, he felt he kind of liked my, my, my vibe, I guess, and, and asked me to be the expert in this second book, so this book project, and it's really it's really great, Dr. Lisa. I feel like it's, um, you know, we didn't read each other's answers, and we've got we answer I don't know it's probably eighty to hundred questions about pornography addiction from the expert side, mm-hmm. and, and I'm playing the role of the expert, mm-hmm. and then uh, Josh is the addict, and I, I mean it's fascinating to read, you know, have a question posed, and then have the expert chime in, and then see what the addict was really thinking. It's really amazing. So. That's available on Amazon right now, and then you can also just go to TonyOverbay.com and sign up there. I've got some really cool programs that are I'm about to launch about, um, you know, working through some faith journeys, and then also couples communication and, uh, and just a little happiness project in general. So I appreciate you asking. 
well, and and, uh, and I man, I forget the whole thing is uh, what I love doing is my podcast, and that's sitting out there free as can be. Um, that's called the Virtual Couch, and you can find it wherever podcasts are, are located. So I can't forget that one. Yes, that's important. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You are, you are definitely a friend of the Elise Intuition Radio Show. We're so grateful to have oh, you here you. on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Elise. Great talking to you. Likewise, it's time for a break. When we return, I will share messages from the angels and the spirits. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Learn the secrets to awaken your own financial genius. Mark Jackson II has written an Amazon International bestseller, Read Me or Stay Broke. This gripping story does the impossible marvelously. This book entertains and educates the reader. The book transforms the reader with an emotional journey filled with dynamic financial discoveries. In an effort to pay his dying mother's medical bills, Josh has burned the candle at both ends for far too long. In a last-ditch effort to stay afloat, he works even harder while his boss is breathing down his neck. Exhausted and desperate, Josh comes to a simple realization. He is broke and out of options. Until one day, a mysterious woman offers him a challenge. Her company offers him the chance to learn the powerful money secrets of the rich secrets that have built fortunes for centuries but were always hidden from the public. But there's a catch. If Josh can complete the challenge, his mother's bills will be paid in full, fail, and she will die in debt. In his darkest moment, Josh agrees to the challenge. You will learn side by side with Josh as he is exposed to the seven mentors, savings, debt, credit, taxes, business, stocks, and real estate investing. The seven keys to wealth building. To save his mother's life, all he needs to do is listen, learn, and apply the secrets from each lesson. Will he be able to learn all the secrets in time? Can he complete the challenge in time to save his mother? This powerful story will keep you on the edge of your seat. You can get your copy on Amazon.com. Do you want to stay connected to Mark Jackson II? You can find him on Facebook under Mark Sweeney. Jackson or www.facebook.com forward slash Mark Jackson 2 and read me or stay broke at www.facebook.com forward slash read me or stay broke. Mark 2 is also on Instagram under Mark's Jackson 2 and read me or stay broke. Lastly, you can find him on Twitter under at Mark Jackson 2. In today's global economy, tutoring is beginning to get the respect and recognition it deserves. Tutoring can be a rewarding field for stay-at-home moms, retired workers, and people with technical skills. Due to budget cuts, high teacher-student ratios, and the No Child Left Behind NCLB Act, it's also an area that is booming for classroom teachers, whether they want to try tutoring in the classroom or start their own private tutoring practice. With these type of tutoring opportunities, it is crucial to have a blueprint to follow so that individuals can start out with good information and build a reputation as an educator that delivers data-driven results. In the number one source for tutors and tutor business owners, Dr. Holland Johnson's Becoming a Better Tutor, a data-driven approach to tutoring, tutor consultant, 
Dr. Holland delivers her field-tested advice so that you can find your tutoring niche and predict your chances for success as a tutor, market your tutoring practice to attract clients, apply the Dr. Holland Johnson's tutoring framework for effective tutoring sessions, apply the Dr. Holland Johnson's in-class tutoring method, conduct tutoring consultations and master tutoring interviews, determine the type of tutor in which you'll need to be for clients, accurately track your client's progress, acquire know-how for starting and managing your tutoring practice, and dozens of other strategies you will need to be successful in the tutoring industry. Take a data-driven approach to either tutoring in the classroom or building your tutoring practice to help your clients. By putting new strategies and proven methods in your toolkit, you'll quickly find the path that leads to becoming a better tutor. You can get your copy of Dr. Holland Johnson's Becoming a Better Tutor, a data-driven approach to tutoring, on Amazon.com or submit your book order at orders at iglobaleducation.com. We're back on the Elise Intuition Radio Show. While we were on break, I intuitively selected messages and received angelic messages from the spirit using the Colette Barron's Read system. Let me share them with you. Dearest you, we are sending you waves of love and joy as we watch you reap the rewards of your tenacity and faith. We know how long it has taken for you to reach some of your goals and that you have had disappointments along the way. Right now, we suggest you take a deep breath and fill yourself up with gratitude and tune in to the vibration of well-being. Temporary conditions may be trying to hypnotize you into seeing something else as your reality, but we know that happy rewards are on their way to you even now. Change is the only constant, so be open to it. You will achieve your dreams and more, we promise. But more important, your happy rewards will be gathered up in the small moments, the gentle breezes, the soft kisses, and the quiet commitment. Your happiest moments will be on the journey itself, not in arriving at any destination. You are surrounded by so much love and care. Can you feel us? Another message that came in from the spirit is, Serious you, isn't it amazing how things seem to come around again, full circle, in ways you could not possibly have planned? You wonder how a dream could die only to be resurrected years later when you're really ready. You thought it was time back then, but your wisdom knows better than your small self whose desires are unmet. Now, here you are with a new opportunity to do things from a different, more mature perspective. We want you to trust that in this new opportunity for rebirth, you will be called in two directions, and the one that is unfamiliar will be the right one. In the unknown spaces, the uncharted places of infinite potential, we are waiting to guide you into your fullest life, Big bounty will come if you remain in the present. You have come full circle, and now you can see that everything changes. It's made new, and it's given new hope. Loving you always. So, guys, when I see that message, um, I definitely had to go in and talk with the angels. So I was in prayer meditation, and I got several numbers that came up for you. And then I received four angelic messages that I will share with you, too. 
So the messages from the spirit using the Colette Barron's Read system is sharing with us that there is some type of new opportunity coming in for many of you. And sometimes when we are not able to see that our desires are, you know, coming fast enough, it's your higher self. It's the universe protecting you. Remember, rejection is not bad. Rejection is protection. Sometimes opportunities or desires that you may have may not be ready for you, or you may not even be ready for it, okay? So the numbers one came up, and typically when the number one come up in my meditation, it's associated with um, like new beginnings, a new start, uh, a new opportunity, and this this could be in any area of your life. The number six comes up for love, and the number 67 comes up for physical activity. So here I got some additional messages from the angels, and um, it, it resonates with the numbers that, that appeared in my prayer meditation. So as it relates to your new beginnings, it's important that you have the opportunity to forgive. This situation brings you the opportunity to heal, grow, and release negative patterns. Hold the intention of seeing the other person's inner divine light and goodness. We will help you release unforgiving thoughts, feelings, and energies, and lift you to a higher place of peace and compassion. So that's a beautiful promise, guys. You know, it may be that you were not ready to forgive yourself or others, and now the opportunity has come for you to do so. So I'm extremely proud of you if this message is resonating with you. The second angelic message that came in is release and surrender. We shower you with blessings of our radiant love. Open your arms and release the challenges that you've held tightly gripped within your hands. Open your hands, arms, and hearts to our love and assistance. So not only are you being called to forgive, you're also being called to release and surrender. So when I look at the number one and I see new beginnings, I'm like, oh, my gosh, these are beautiful gifts. It's it's a beautiful thing to be able to forgive and release and surrender and trust the spirit. Forgiveness is one of those hard life lessons that a lot of people have a challenge with whether it's with other people or within themselves. So take advantage of this, guys. The third angelic message that came in was, the, I got the word, ask. So whatever situation you're going through, whether it is a relationship situation, a business decision, or even something in your family, um, you're being called to ask the spirit, ask the angels, you know, whoever, no matter your spiritual practice, um, you're being called to definitely get in touch with your creator, okay? Ask us to help you in this situation, and we will immediately go to work on your behalf. We are governed by many universal laws, and among them 
It's the free will that allows you to make your own choices and decisions. So we patiently await your request. And the last message that came in from the angels, it has something to do with the number six that I saw dealing with love. Your heart chakra, um, that's the chakra that deals with love, okay? We're talking about divine love, love that heals and prospers. Love is the heart of the matter. Your heart is the center within your physical being, attuned most to love. It's safe for you to love and be loved with an open heart as we stand by with perfect protection and guidance. So, guys, whatever you need to do, um, there's, there's different strategies that you could use to open up your heart to receive um, and give more love. Um, so you're being called to look at that because it came up in my prayer meditations. Now, the number 67 deals with physical activity. And as I was sharing with you the messages from the angels and the spirit, I can definitely see why the number 67 came up in my prayer meditation. Physical activity allows you to clear your energy. It helps raise your vibration to where you're able to better connect to your intuition. So take a moment, even if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you can carve out in your daily schedule and make sure you get that physical activity in so that you can keep your vibration clear so you can receive information from the spirit and the angels. Um, so guys, I hope that these messages bless you and, you know, if they resonated with you, definitely leave comments. Let us know that it resonates with you. On the next episode, I will be back here to share with you more about how to communicate with the divine spirit. So stay tuned and thank you for tuning in to our show today. Know that there are truly no words that I could possibly express to you to let you know how grateful we are in the USA Next week, we will be celebrating the Thanksgiving holiday. So, you know, we're grateful all year around, but I just want to make sure that I wish you and your family and friends a beautiful and blessed Thanksgiving and holiday season. Remember, you are loved, you are valued, and you are competent, and I'll see you back here next time. You've been listening to the Elise Intuition Radio Show, hosted by Dr. Elise Holland. This hit show comes to you live every third Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Blog Talk Radio. Each show is empowering you to transform your life by connecting with your higher self through intuition, meditation, and mindfulness in all areas of your life. If you've missed any part of this show or want to find out more about Dr. Elise, visit Elise healingcenter.com. That's elisehealingcenter.com.